it's the 86th episode of the Carrier's Edge podcast, and I'm Jane Jazrawi, the co-founder of Carrier's Edge, and with me as always... Mark Morell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. I changed it. You did it. Yes. I did. Okay. Okay, so now we can just start. Oh, that wasn't the start. Mm-hmm. No, okay. this is the start. You didn't even say, like, welcome to the podcast or... Well, welcome, that's kind of, in, that's that's assumed. You are welcome to this podcast because otherwise we would have just been doing this in our basement for nothing. Yes, not for much longer, though. No, not this point, basement. We might go to a different basement mm-hmm. on a different coast of the country. Yes. Which is very cool. More details to follow. Well, we just bought a house in Victoria, B.C., which is a long way away from here. Yeah. Where we are in beautiful downtown Newmarket, Ontario. So we'll have, what, three more episodes, I guess, before we head out there? Yeah, maybe we should do one from the road. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How are we getting out there? I don't even know. Are we driving? Yeah, we have to drive. With an electric car? Yeah. Okay, that will be, that will be a journey. That will be a story. No, there's charging stops all along the way now. Petrocan? Uh, no, Tesla has superchargers all the all the way, all across the Trans Canada. Okay, Highway. and if we go, we're gonna go probably June, end of May, yeah. or end of May, and so it won't be cold. No, it's a beautiful time to go across country. Because an electric car heating it will use up all your batteries, so you only get well. We I think we get about what five hundred kilometers uh, under normal circumstances. Yes, outside of winter. Yeah, so we should get about four hundred and something. We lose up to a third if it's really cold. Yeah, or really hot. Yeah, you lose some with AC. But just so everybody who's like, yeah, I'm never getting an electric car because, you know, use up all your battery. So same with your gas. Mm -hmm. No different. I couldn't go back to a gas car. It's weird when we drive a rental. Yeah. Gas car. The last time we were out in Victoria, we asked for a like the smallest car you can possibly get. And I think we got one of the largest vehicles you could possibly get. Oh, yeah. It had three rows of seats in it. It was insane. We always want a subcompact because we never like there's absolutely nothing that we're doing except driving ourselves around. And we just need to get two suitcases in it. It's not that hard. So we get a subcompact because it's cheapest and we don't care. And so we got this. Yeah, we had three rows of seats. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah, for a car that spent most of his time sitting in a parking lot. We're looking, we're going through, walking through the rental lot, and that's all there is are these gigantic vehicles. I don't know what, maybe there was a subcompact rally somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> maybe somebody went and booked them all. Yeah, yeah. Everybody just wanted to get the little cars. We didn't even get a medium car. It no. was only huge cars. And all trucks, too. There was no cars available. Oh, did we get a truck? Oh, I guess. Yeah, we got an SUV. Oh, an SUV. Yeah, not a truck. Well, there was pickup trucks, SUVs. Yeah, I don't think there was even minivans available. No, there were minivans. Okay. I think there were. I think I saw one. Anyway, it's weird for Victoria because it's not a... Yeah, it's it's hippie central. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're all available to rent. Because all the hippies had gotten all the little cars. Yeah. The hybrids and the Leafs and things like that. Yeah. And when we were out there, we were out there in February and people were riding their bikes a lot. Yep. Which is one of the nice things about being out there is that it's probably the warmest place in Canada. Yes. Which is nice. They don't get real winter. And you're losing your snowblower, which is a... Yeah. I, I think it's bittersweet. No. Sweet. No, you like that snowblower though. I liked it the first year I got it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And every time we get a dumping of snow, I'm very happy that I have it, but I won't miss it. I won't miss clearing snow. 
I don't think there's been very many people that miss clearing snow. Yeah, who think, wow, I haven't I haven't cleared some snow in a long time. I need to clear some oh, snow. I'm looking forward to winter so I can do some shoveling. Let's shovel some wet snow. Yeah. Because that's the best. Yeah. So we will have adventures uh, and we will update the audience on our adventures uh, as uh, the spring proceeds. But And we'll see what nasty things happen in Victoria that no one talks about. Yeah. <laughs> But we have lots more exciting things that are more current than that. That's true. Having just returned from the Truckload Carriers Association Convention in sunny and very warm Orlando, which was definitely warmer than it usually is at this time of year. Normally, it's sort of mid-20s Celsius while we were there, but it was was 30 each day. So the one day that I went outside, it was actually quite hot. Yeah, it was. It was very hot. Although when you're... When you're here and you go there, you don't really think about how hot it is. It's just, it's not cold. Yeah. And you're not wearing a jacket and you're, yeah. Yeah. So it was good. It was my 15th time going to that convention. It was, I I think your 11th actually. Okay. And uh, my sixth time staying at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. So there's not much that really is surprising to me about the convention or about the, uh, the hotel now. You know, I know there's a giant atrium there and all most of the rooms look onto the atrium. I know that there are alligators swimming around in the pool. see the alligators. Intentionally. Yeah, they're not there by mistake. <laughs> they haven't just wandered in from the swamps. No, they are, they are there on purpose. And that, that is kind of cool to walk down a path and see alligators sitting there. And we unveiled our overall winners. Yes. The top 20 overall winners. Yes, we can say it out loud. And apparently nobody really knew, which is good, until the very last minute because um, Kareen saw the teleprompter and kind of figured it was her Mm. or it was them. So CAT was the overall large carrier and chief carriers was the overall small Mm -hmm. winner. Which was really exciting. Yeah. And you made a sort of a passing comment about uh, nobody knew, which is good. Uh, we are always afraid that somebody has figured it out or we've sort of left some clue or some like somewhere where we have it marked down that they saw. And I'm afraid of that all the time because even though it's a secret, there's lots of people who know. Like the people who produce the trophies know, mm-hmm. TCA knows, we're writing a press release, so anybody working on the press release knows about it. We have to prep our website so that it can just uh, go live at the time. Like, so there ends up being, at any given time, there's probably 20 or 30 people who know yeah. who the winners are. And most of them are not going to say anything, but you never know. When you're talking to these people, sometimes it's easy to kind of forget, uh, you know, are you somebody who knows already or somebody who doesn't? And I'm always afraid that I'm going to mess up and I'm going to get confused and talk to the wrong person. It's funny. People always ask, you know, should I should I be preparing a speech? And it's in the uh, hope that I'm going to somehow leak it. And my answer is everybody should prepare a speech. You know, you should not be without a speech because most of the time when you haven't got a speech, you're not going to win or you are going to win. Yeah. So you definitely the more unprepared you are, I think the better. So does that mean that if you're more prepared, you're less likely to win? I don't know. It actually doesn't make any difference whatsoever. You win, you win, you don't, you don't. It's it's like you may have a speech. It's, it's not like the color socks that you wear make any difference at all. Yeah. It's all about your points that you've already, you know, you may as well wear your lucky socks back in the interview stage because that's when it actually matters. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We, you know, for two months, 
is it two months or it's months? It is. Uh, it's nearly two months because we finished the scoring and figured out the winners. Uh, I think it was January 12th or something like that. And yeah, March 6th. Yeah. So the last podcast we knew. Oh, yeah. And that's the that's the problem is we know. And then there's like a little mini celebration. It's like, woohoo, this is so cool. These, these, you know, or well, now I can say it. I'm so used to like preventing myself mm-hmm. from, from saying it. CAT is the winner and Chief Express or not Chief Express. Yeah, Chief Carriers is the winner. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of a. Now other people can share in that celebration. Yes. So what was also different this year is, uh, or one thing that was quite different this year was that our Best Fleets reception happened on a Sunday night. Normally, we do the awards on a Monday morning and we have our reception on a Monday afternoon, at which time everybody can kind of relax because the awards are done, all the pictures are done, it's just time to chill out. But this time, the reception happened on a Sunday night before the awards had been given out, so nobody knew who the overall winners were. So what we had is a bunch of people that are like, hey, got any hints? Hey, should I have a speech? Mm -hmm. Pretending to bribe me and hey, if I'm nice to you, will it help me tomorrow? Yeah, but that's the conversation, right? Yeah, and it's all it's all joking because yeah, you can be nice or be crappy to me at this point. It doesn't matter. You're the name's on the trophy already. We have no control. Yeah, at that point it's not changing anything. But it was a bit chaotic this year because we had we had two new people who um, were helping us. TCA had a whole bunch of new people and uh, so it was lo- and the stage was huge. Huge. That's not the same stage that it always is. You know what? I think last time they created, I think maybe they had a different stage because it was. No, I know it was different. Last time it was. Last time it was in Orlando, it was a different stage. Yeah. But what was also different is the staging, stage decoration that they had this time was very minimal and all pushed to the back. So they've had a lot of stage decoration in the past where they have a lot of props or sort of those, I don't know what they are, the cutout foam pieces that show up and make the stage look nice in the photos. They had those moving towards the front so that they sort of a 3D effect with them and more of them around. This year it was very minimal. It was just one like trapezoid um, painted like a road. That was the only... That was it? That was about it. They had a couple of lights on the floor pointing up, but they didn't have as much as they normally do. So there was more space available on the stage. And there also wasn't any furniture out there. That's right. We do it in front of the chairs. Yeah, there's a a panel discussion or something afterwards. So they have furniture on the stage at that point. But because this was an awards luncheon and there was nothing but awards, there was chairman spoke a little bit and then it was just people, a couple of people doing speeches and then a few awards. So there was nothing on the stage. So yeah, we had a lot more space to work with. Well, that's good because I had to roll thing, I had to roll something on. Yeah, that was quite funny. Was it? What did it look like from the, just looked like somebody rolling something on? It kind of looked like a stagehand rolling. Uh, yeah, it was a road case on wheels and we had all of the gems for the Hall of Fame trophies sitting on top of it. And so Trish kind of rolled it out as a, yeah, like a, a roadie rolling the thing out on stage. Uh, and then Lance came out and grabbed each. Yeah, Lance came up to me. Well, the Hall of Fame trophies have these separate gems that go on to the trophy. And instead of having people wander out with these trophies, we Lance goes and puts the Lance from Epic View goes and puts the rubies on the or they weren't rubies, the gems because the what the returning Hall of Famers were blue sapphire okay. because they had a sapphire. So they had that. And Lance was like, I can't bend down. I can't be bending down. 
and getting them off the floor. And I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah. So what can we use? And I have to say that the backstage people, the the uh, people who are working, I can't remember their name, like the production crew was really, really good because one of the things that happened was John Elliott is pretty tall. So I have the eternal problem of they want to set the mic and the paddles that you use for the teleprompter at a certain level and they want me to me to deal with it. And if there is a real big size discrepancy, then I have an issue. So I'm like, do you have a stool? And a very helpful technician said, I have this case. (laughs) So it was really good, actually. Mm -hmm. Hard shell mic case. Is that what it was? Yeah. So John was supposed to bring it out for me, but he didn't. So I brought it out for myself as he butchered my name. And uh, he could not pronounce my name at all. But he was he was gung-ho keep trying and it was like okay stop now mm-hmm. it's not happening if you don't know how to do it you're not doing it so i brought out the case and he was like oh i forgot i was supposed to do that and i'm like just get out of my way so i can go and put down so i can go and do this thing but it was good i apparently i had i it looked like i was very happy with it and that i liked getting up and down off of it every short person in the audience was with you on that 100 percent yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It made good entertaining. A uh, good entertaining show that you put on there. Yeah. A 25 minute sitcom basically with awards pre- handed out. It's not a sick. I have to, I have to use something that I'm yeah, short. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Most sitcoms aren't very much, aren't really comedic anyway. <laughs> yeah. They're just relatively fun. So, yeah, that was, so that was that. And then Lance is like, what am I doing with these? And thank God that Lance shows up for the rehearsal because it's really important that everybody shows up for the rehearsal and figures out how it's going to go because I sometimes am making it up as I go. Oh, often. Yeah. Like I'm looking at the stage going, okay, like where the best fleets, like they had to be on stage. It was such a large stage mm. where the open area was so open that they had to be almost right on stage, which is very unusual. Usually they're kind of out in the hall. Not this time. They were they were right there. So and even then, so Garth was the Garth from Bison, Garth Bitzel. He he has to had to go from to get it's like about five steps to get from where he was to right at the edge of the curtain of the first curtain. Right. And then he has to get all the way across. And I think that's like a good three or four second walk, which is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's about a three to four second walk. You're right. Which doesn't sound like a lot. But in the context of a show, 10 people that are doing it, I mean, it gets shorter from there. He had the longest walk. But then Lance has to walk over and put the gem on the top. Yeah, it can it can drag down the pace of your show which is something that you don't think about until you're putting on one of these award presentation things and thinking about how do we keep the thing moving? If you have too much sort of dead space, audience will start clapping because they don't know what else is going on or they don't know if they're supposed to be clapping there. So they start or they lose interest. They start talking at the table or something. So yeah, you have to keep it moving and have to keep the whole thing going. And of course, there's like almost no time to rehearse. You get one run through. And that's it. Yeah, we had uh, we had a longer rehearsal time this year than we've ever had, actually. Well, there's 30 people. But the thing started at noon and we went in at 11 and started setting up the plaques and figuring out the trophies and all of that kind of stuff. So we had the first batch of actual attendees it came for their rehearsal at 11.15. So we had 15 minutes to kind of get the start figuring out what we're doing with trophies and things. And then 15 minutes for each of the groups. So it went off pretty smoothly. 
was there a big gap? Like, did it, did they, cause I was telling everybody you gotta, you gotta move. No, it was fine. The pacing was good. Okay. That's good. It wasn't too fast. That's the other thing. You can't have it too fast because then it feels like it's rushed and you're trying to sort of bump them off stage quick. So you got to give them their due, but you can't have it drag. Yeah. It's a very tricky balance to maintain. Absolutely. But it went off. Everybody got there. I don't think anything got smashed. Although the safety awards, it was kind of funny that the safety awards did get smashed. So Emery, who won the overall, or sorry, who won, yeah, who won the overall grand prize. Grand prize. The grand prize for small fleets and the safety awards got a, like some sort of bowl that they found at the hotel. So I guess they're shipping her in the new. Yeah, a replacement trophy. Yeah. Her and Garth got their giant candy bowls. It's not that, it's actually not that big. It's kind of a medium sized candy bowl, candy bowl, actually. Well, I don't know if that's medium. What is a large then? Because it's got to be 10 inches diameter. No, it wasn't that much. It was about eight, maybe 10. I didn't think it was all that big, but then again, it was late. There was a lot happening. A lot of things were happening. Yeah. So I didn't, like, I actually went up with Emery because she was a bit nervous and um, she's one of the best fleets, FTC transportation. And uh, I didn't expect that she was going to win. So I was just kind of, was recording the, you know, people on the stage. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll keep recording just in case she wins. And like, they bring out, it feels like 12,000 people. Uh, There's nine. Oh, is there nine? Well, because there's top three finishers in each of three categories. So there's nine people max on the stage. Mm, okay. I think one of the categories, somebody wasn't there. Uh, but uh, in general, yeah, it's nine people in the small, three smallest divisions uh, come out and then they announce their grand prize winner in the uh, in the small fleets. And then uh, the next they do the same thing for the other three categories and then have that for the large fleet. Well, I was kind of sort of sitting there waiting and then she got... Then mm-hmm. her name was announced and it was very nice. Well, I was sort of um, struck by the large fleet safety uh, grand prize. Bison won it for like the, I don't know, 50th year in a row or something like that. And so it's at the point where it's basically called the Bison Award because they win it every year. And I don't know how many other people even compete for it. So because of the nine that are the sort of... Um, winners, the uh, top three in each of their categories, they're invited to go to the next step to submit for the safety award. Mm -hmm. They don't have to. And I I don't know how many of them do. I know a bunch of them don't bother, uh, certainly in the large category, because they figure Bison's going to win it again. Uh, But I was struck by the fact that when Garth won it, he was really choked up, like given that uh, presentation and like the number of times that he's gone up there, been on that stage, been the overall winner. Like, I don't see how it's really surprising for him. I don't see how he is shocked by it. But yet, he was able to really come off. Uh, I don't want to sound like he's faking it. No, he really believes in it. Yeah, he definitely really believes in it. And that really sort of uh, stuck me, stuck with me. Like, man, good on you for sort of not taking it for granted and recognizing that it's an accomplishment and really feeling some genuine feelings about it rather than, okay, well, thanks. You know, this is great. I want to thank our drivers, thank our management, blah, 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 and then leaving. So yeah, he was really, uh, he's choked up about it, which is really good. I think he gets like that just generally talking about safety and bringing people home. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, because he's thinking about any of the times where somebody didn't make it home. Yeah. Which is always what he's on about is like, we've got to get our people home safely. And anytime somebody doesn't make it home, he's really broken up about it. And I think each time he takes it, takes that award, that's what he's thinking about. Yeah. And he's a very, 
don't know. He's just a very genuine guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So he's he's very he's very honest. Yeah, like he's not he's not putting it on. You you really think you know this guy actually does believe this? And when you we do, I mean, he's been doing this for how many years? It's like eleven years in the program. It was its ten consecutive year winning yeah. in best fleets, but they were in it. They lost. They didn't get on the top twenty once, and Garth was unhappy about that. Thirteen times they've made it into the top twenty. There's only two times that they didn't. Okay, and they and so he had his ten consecutive year plaque, and you know you talk to him for ten years for couple hours about his company and what they're doing and stuff like that. You get to know them and you get to know them about whether they're, you know, how, how invested they are. Mm-hmm. And most of the, most of the Hall of Fame are invested. Oh yeah. It's hard to get into that Hall of Fame if you're not pretty invested. Yeah. You have to believe and want to improve and be forceful about it. And he definitely is. Yeah. So I think if he's approaching the safety award and he probably is approaching it even more, like that than he is best fleets then i'm not surprised that they win it over and over again what we would have done is change the rules <laughs> <laughs> which we did yes we did we had we well we don't want the same people winning it over and over we don't want the same people being honored although you want the same people being like if they earn it you want to honor them which is why the hall of fame showed up because it was like well we want to honor them how do we do that and still, you know, get new blood in there? And it's been really nice the last couple of years where there's been a complete surprise mm-hmm. on who is in the overall. Oh, yeah. We just we just never know. Like It's gone back to like before. It would be like, oh, yeah, Newsbomb's getting it again. Oh, yeah, Grand Island's get. Oh, yeah. Because all three of them were three-time winners. So they've hogged like nine of the 15 years that the program is. Oh, and FCC got it three times. Mm-hmm. Boyle won it a couple of times. Yeah. There are many multiple winners there. Yeah. So, yeah, it does start to get to the point where you're thinking, all right, you know, it's going to be one of the regulars in the overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving them into the Hall of Fame was really nice because it does shake it up. And there's a lot of other people that are doing really good things. And now we have an opportunity to recognize them and talk about them. But if, okay, so Andy Winkler was at, Chief, or was at Grand Island Express when they won, the, won it three times. Mm-hmm. And now he's won the overall once for Chief Express. Chief Carriers. Chief Carrier. What am I, what is wrong with me? Chief Carriers. It's a good thing you got it right on stage. I don't know why I'm saying this right now. I think I'm just tired. Yeah. But, so they've been in the program three years, four years. Is this number four year or number three year? I think it might be number, I don't know. It's one of those. So he can have four more years in the program and possibly get the overall award Mm -hmm. a couple more times. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's been on the list. They've been on the top 20 twice now, I think, or three times. So even if it's three times on the top 20, there's got to be another four more and then he'll go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, you get your work cut out for you, Andy. (laughs) Get to it. (laughs) Make sure that you're, you know, figuring it out. Yeah. Take two companies into the Hall of Fame. I know, but I don't want them to win over and over and over again. Although I'm sure they want to win over and over and over again. But it's very competitive and the people that are on that top 20 are really working on it. Yeah, this is true. And if you look at who else is there on that uh, in that small fleet uh, category, there's people that are really working. Oh, everybody, everybody in the top 20 is really working. Oh, yeah. Well, and now I think the, the sort of the lower end of the top 20 where you're in the 18 to 20 position, that can change. Mm-hmm. 
that is well it's always been like that the bottom four positions and we don't really tell anyone what the actual ranking is but there is a ranking because it's based on score so that bottom four are likely to like if they don't push it then they're likely to get bumped yeah yeah somebody will come in and beat them Mm -hmm. and even now with the hall of fame and the expanded number of fleets that we can recognize the differences between the people who make it and the people who don't are half a percent in total score yeah you know it's very tight well it always was it always was like the scores could scores were always very tight yes absolutely especially at the like i remember looking at um I think when Newsbaum won it like the second or third time we were looking at it, it was like 0.45% or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was crazy uh, close. Yeah. So yeah, always nice when we can finally unwind and talk about all of it. Yes. Talk about Chief Carriers. Not Chief Express, Chief Carriers. Sorry, Chief Express. <laughs> talk about CAT as the overall winners. And that's another one that really, I mean, Really floored us. I think, didn't I talk? I talked about them like right after the interview on this podcast. I I did. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, they did a really, really good job this year. And then they made the top 20 and we couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And then they were the overall winner and I couldn't say anything. (laughs) A company did very well. Yes. There was a company in the company competition who did well. Yeah. First Quebec based winner. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And well, this is the other thing. I'm like, oh my God, I have to do a French overall logo now. <laughs> well, you don't, but somebody no, needs to. No, no, no. Well, I did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I had to design it. Like, I had to figure it out. I had to figure out what the words were going to be. And one of the nice things was that we had a translator on staff who left us for a government job because apparently government translation jobs are pretty lucrative and we cannot compete. Uh, so she was, she was really good and she was like running out of things and she was just translating everything, you know, she's like, I'll translate what's on your shirt. So I said, oh, maybe we should do the best fleets logos in French. So she, so she worked on that. So we had these best fleets logos in French for like a year and a half and nobody did anything with it. Cause there wasn't a top 20 that was on that had French. And then, so in CAT looked like they were going to be on the top 20. It was like, oh, okay, we should probably dig those French logos out. And then they friggin' won. Yeah. So I'm, but so then I'm thinking, okay, that best fleece to drive for a logo is pretty compact. Yes. How on earth am I going to get the 20% more words that French always has yeah. and like have it in there? And I managed, I'm not sure it's a great translation, but it's the translation we have. It's Le, Le Flot. Is it Le Meilleur Flot? I can't remember. Uh, which one we went to, because there was a few options that we had and none of them really fit nicely. Yeah, but we, we did manage to get one so that if, you know, if a, well, actually Herb asked for one because they operate in Quebec. Um, and then there was somebody else who operates in Quebec who wanted one, but I knew that CAT was going to need one. Yeah. And they were going to need the overall so that they can have it. I think it's kind of cool to have the English and the French one. Yeah. And it's cool that a Quebec company won. And it's cool that I remembered how to pronounce Karine Goyette's name. (laughs) Hey, good job. Yes, this is one of those things that people don't see is backstage 
when we were prepping for the thing, Jane is in the back room going, Kotodulak, 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 over and over again, because you got to say the name of the city where the uh, the fleet is based, but you can't ask them. Oh, actually, I did, because in the, in the script, it's the top 20, I say it. I don't say it for the overall winner. I just say it for, you the know. The top 20, so you can go and ask them, but you can't ask somebody how to pronounce their name, because you're not saying their name until they're the overall winners. Yes. So you can't go to them and say, hey, Corrine, how do I pronounce your last name? Well, the other thing was, is I assumed it was going to be Michael or um, Mark, Mm. who is going to, because those are the two people I talked to. And then all of a sudden at the, thank God we had the, we had the, um, I would have been freaking out at the rehearsal if, if this had happened. But I had met her the night before on the Sunday at the, at the reception. And, you know, they're there and they're like, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they were talking about how it was so unexpected. And I thought I thought they were I was just going to give them a fleet to watch, mm. which is Jetco is another one that I was like, I was going to give you a fleet to watch. But, oh, you just kind of surpassed that. And then they're like, oh, here's, you know, let me introduce you to the vice president or the co-president. It was a co-president, Corinne Goyette. And I didn't hear the name because I was in a bar. Plus, it was French. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no, not, oh, no, she's here or that she's going to be on stage is that I don't know your name (laughs) and I have to I don't have it on a script. I have to know your name. And that's one of the things that drives me up the wall or makes me. Well, that doesn't drive me up the wall. It actually freaks me out because every so often things just escape my brain and I have to memorize the names. And I'm always like, wait a minute. Which one is it? Who are these people? Are you big? Are you small? Who's the big winner? Who's the small winner? Do I know their name? Oh, my God. (laughs) And you have to look across the row of them on the stage to see. I had that thought at the awards, just uh, like the most recent ones where I was like, am I on big or small? What are what are we doing? Like you you just sometimes when you're on stage, you're just like all of a sudden it kind of you're it's like in a movie, you know, when like all the background starts spinning or it goes and you're like, and then the person is right in focus and something has happened. That's what it feels like in my brain. Sometimes it's like all of a sudden I come to and go, holy crap, what am I doing? What, am, where am I? And I'm reading the paddles thinking, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. That happens to every performer on stage. Really? Yeah. There's a moment where you tune out and you sort of come to and you're like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, I've had that on stage many times when I'm doing a speech, when I'm playing. What is that? That's just how the brain works. Oh, okay. Well, I did, like, that's why you rehearse. Yeah. So that you can do it. Yeah, you rehearse it to the point where you can do it on autopilot. And then when you inevitably go on autopilot, and it feels to you like you've been gone for minutes, but it's maybe a second or two. Or you come to and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) like what's happening here? Where am I? Yeah, it's um, it's really it's a little bit freaky when it happens. But I mean, if you if you are doing it, you've probably been performing for a long time anyway. So it's not like it's going to be a I don't think it happens to people who who just go on stage and just kind of roll with it. Yeah. You do it when you're concentrating and you're planning and you're you're invested in it. I don't know. Every performer I've ever talked to has had it happen. Really? Yeah. Oh, we've never talked about this. Oh, yeah. That's so weird that you and I have never talked about it because we, you know, one of the things we liked about each other was that we were both performers. Yeah, we do talk a lot and we've done a lot of podcasts, but yeah, there's probably times in this podcast where you've zoned out and not realized it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, usually when I'm talking. But I'm zoning out not because not because I'm, you know, in that, what is that called even? 
performance head. Yeah. It's more about, you know, I know what you're saying Mm. already and you're just informing the audience and I'm waiting for it to be done. I've done it uh, periodically. It's happened. It happens on sometimes in webinars or interviews. And what I do now when I'm doing an interview or I'm on the radio, I write stuff down. I write the questions down and I write down what I'm going to say. So I, I've got like a, That's a good idea. I've got my remarkable, my little electronic notepad and I start writing it down because inevitably I'm starting, I'm launching into something and then halfway through I'm like, Dave Nemo, I do not know what your question was. Because I don't remember it. But now that happens a lot less because I've written it down and I look at it and go, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be. That's the point I'm trying to get to. But it's hard when you when you're talking, basically talking for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Radio people must do it all the time. Well, I, I kind of think they do because sometimes they will go into something where they're asking somebody a question, but the question is so long. By the time they get to the end of it, you kind of forgot what they started talking about because they give sort of a background and a story and an explanation and then end up at a question. And then, yeah, you have such a long question that you've, as a listener, you've sort of forgotten what they started talking about in the beginning. And I'm sure they're zoning out partway through that. Like they're taking a bit of a mental break in the middle of that two minute long question. I think that's key. It's a mental break. So much of your brain is involved in any kind of performance. So even radio, like even an interview, that's a performance, right? You go on the radio or you go on TV and people are asking you questions. It's a performance because you're trying to say the right things. You're trying to, you know, make sure that you look your best. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. And for me, when I'm on stage, with the best fleets, I'm also worried about them. Like I'm also making sure, how do they come out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I hear footsteps behind me? Are they standing in the right spot? Do they have their plaque the right way? Are they going to the right spot? I remember a couple of years ago, Jim Pern- uh, not yeah, Jim Perney. Mm. I moved him. Mm. I moved him from the wrong spot. No, from the right spot to the wrong spot because I don't know. In my head, I rehearsed it that way, but then he did it and then I moved him. Oh my God. It it was. That was fun. It was fun, but I was. And then I remember thinking, oh my God, he was right. I'm doing it wrong. They're all walking behind each other so they don't get to come out. They don't get to come out and have their, you know, their own little spot. So I learned that. Don't do that. Always line them up far away first. But the the other thing that was a little crazy this time was that Trish, who's our new Best Fleets program manager, was taking care of a lot of things that I usually take care of. And I was very confused as to, like, I was getting stuff wrong because I didn't know the actual information. Mm. And I would like to have, like, all the information on a card. Okay. That everybody gets, including me. Yeah, that's where it falls down, is everybody else had it. But didn't occur to us to give to you. This is the same thing that we used to have with the reception is we'd have this master list of people that are invited and have RSVP'd and then the other uninvited people that are allowed to come or invited separately and we don't give it to the bouncers. So they don't let in the media, they don't let in the sponsors because they're not on the list. It's the same thing for you. We had all of this information that we prepared. Trish put together a whole agenda for all of the uh, fleets of where they had to be at different times and handed it to all of them. There's a PDF that was mailed out. They got hard copies in some cases. Yeah, it didn't occur to us to give it to you. Oops. Sorry. Yeah, I felt a little bit like, I don't know what's going on because I didn't know. Yeah, you don't know which group is rehearsing at what time because we didn't tell you that. Yeah, and it would have been good to have a printout, I think. Yeah, that was my fail. We'll fix that. Oh, 
not necessarily. It never occurred to me until this moment that, oh yeah, you should have had a copy of that. I didn't ask for one. Well, you may not have known that it was even being built. I did not know that it was being built. I think I may have had some inkling at one point and then I forgot. Yeah. But having it printed out for everybody, I think would have been a good... Yeah, a little card that everybody gets. Yeah. Which they used to do that. They used to have the little cards that were in your delegate package that showed you the times you had to be for rehearsal and you're appearing on stage, so come to rehearsal at this time. Then you get another card that is, you're invited to this particular reception, you're invited to the best sweets party, whatever. And when they stop doing those physical packages, people get confused. And also they changed all the times. So nothing was the same. So that was very confusing because a lot of people, well, not a lot, but there were a few people who were like, I couldn't make your reception because we're basing our scheduling on last year. No one told us any different. And we have 50 meetings. Yeah, they don't, they don't look, they assume it's going to be the same as it's always been. And we never said it's not the same. We did. We did. We sent probably four messages where we were updating on status of different things and inviting them to the receptions and saying, hey, it's on a different day this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, not on this then. Oh, no. Four was not enough. You have to say, hey, times have changed. It's not the same as it was. You have to send them an individual message saying, hey, are you coming? Yeah. But, you know, they don't have to come to the reception. It's not that big a deal. It's nice to see them. And it's not like they haven't come to receptions that they just didn't go to this one. I think we probably had 50 people there. It was pretty full. Yeah. It was lovely. Uh, Not as many previous winners. That's the thing that always bums me out. It always is mostly the current year's crop. And I feel like anybody, anybody who's ever been on the top 20 is eligible to come to that reception. And I would like to see more of the earlier year winners. And there was a few that had RSVP'd that they were going to come and then just didn't. So I think they had 50 other vendor dinners. So that was a downside of the way it was. The uh, the reception was booked. On point. Yeah, the vendors were jumping all over stuff. And there was also like way more vendors than the ratio. The ratio of vendors to carriers at the event was quite... Yeah, so there was a lot of stuff competing for time there. So I I don't blame them for not coming to this. It was only an hour, and if they had other things that they were doing, sure, makes sense. But overall, it was a great reception. It was good to uh, to catch up with people. Nice to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to meet some people in person that we've only seen sort of virtually. That's always nice. It was weird because uh, I did radio with um, the first day. Um, I had two radio spots and both. Well, normally it's just the overall winners, but we had two, one on the Monday and one on the Tuesday, because on the Monday it was before the overall winners were announced. So um, we had Jeff Topping from Challenger and Ken Johnson from Leonard's Express. And it was weird because I met Ken on the Sunday and I felt like I knew him. Well, you talked or, to him I before. Felt like, I felt like I had met him. It was so weird. Like I started forgetting who I've met and who I haven't because of Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I talked to them in such detail. And, and I think I've done a couple of things with Ken. So he's been on the radio. He's been on Mark Willis with me. We've done a podcast together. We've done the Best Fleets interview. Actually, no, he wasn't on the interview. I don't think he was. I don't think I interviewed them, but there's been so many different times that he has been virtually with me that I forgot that I hadn't met him. It's like, yeah, no, we haven't met before. Oh, okay. Yeah. People come up and say that and it's like, oh, I thought we had. Oh, it's the same thing with the guys from CAT. I felt like I had met them. Maybe I have because I mean, Ontario's not. They're not in Ontario. I think I thought Michael was. Yeah, Michael was. I met him in person in January. 
which was brutal, I got to say. I went and did a speech like two days after we figured out who the winners were. And he was there and he was like sitting in front of me and I'm chatting with him the whole time. And I couldn't say anything. We hadn't even announced the top 20 at that point. But I'm looking at him and I'm like, I know you're the overall winner. And I am just hoping that I do not spill the beans. What was that event? That was the Toronto Transportation Association luncheon. Right. That I went and spoke at. Right. Yeah. Because our insurance broker. Yeah. Our benefits insurance broker who does some transport work uh, invited me to speak there and it was good. That's really a weird connection. It was one of those weird small world things. It was our, was it our personal insurance? No, our, our corporate benefits okay. broker. So yeah, that was good. So what else have we got coming up? I have a webinar next week that I'm very much looking forward to. I'm interviewing uh, Travis Bush from Conkle and Associates. Nice. We're going to be talking about sort of uh, the insurance reviews and what they see when they go and evaluate fleets, sort of the most common problems, what's missing, you know, what they like fleets to do. And you gave me a good idea for one of the sort of subjects of that, which is ways that fleets undermine their own safety programs. Ooh. So I've got lots uh, lots to ask them about. And we're going to have a good conversation You should there. have led with that. We're going to talk about how fleets undermine their own safety programs. Yes, how they shoot themselves in the foot before the thing even starts. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's going to be a good story that comes out of it. We do an article from each of these, and that's going to be a really good one, I think. So, And when it, can we talk about one of the things that we were talking about that led me to give you the title? No. Okay. You have to come to the webinar now. Or read the article we write as a or result. Or read the article, yes. Yeah. And what about you? You're busy in graphics world, uh, finishing up the pieces of the, uh, the website, which, damn it, this thing's going live before the end of March. I'm not even really creating it. I'm just kind of, I don't know. I feel like the master puppeteer. You're just making some tweaks, but Berenice is doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's Berenice all the way uh, with some help from Alex and Kat. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Berenice. Oh my God. He's killing it. It is very helpful to have you. It is a lot and I'm not good at it. I mean, I'm just not, I can do it. It's not my, it's not my wheelhouse. I don't really like it. I think the challenge is that you never really have time to devote to it. Like all of the websites that we've done, you've kind of been sort of scrambling on your lunch break or after hours, squeezing in 15 minutes here or there. So the fact that they looked as good as they did is a a miracle. But Berenice is able to take a full day and think about it. And okay, how do I want these design elements to work together and how to suggest this section versus that section? Yeah, she did a really good job with that. Is that all the different colors for all the different sections, I guess, is the best thing to to call it. And then uh, like all of her different bits of line art and uh, and that kind of thing and just the treatment of things. Mm -hmm. So we had we've had multiple kind of, I don't know, graphic brainstorming sessions where we just kind of throw ideas together. Yeah. And you were working on finishing up the footer yesterday. So that design looks like it's done. Yeah. Yeah. These things that you think are sort of small bits, but they still take a lot of work to put together. Yeah, and I'm waiting for you to give me some information so that I can... Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Although I could send it to Alan and get him to do it. No, I'll have it ready for you this morning. Okay. So. And then I'll do that, which is really weird because, you know, now that Tiffany is the head of content, I'm like not really doing that. Although what I'm doing right now is kind of getting... We have our new TDG course ready to go, but we want to have someone do a once over on it. And so I'm kind of connecting Tiffany with um, people, our customers, 
And um, that's kind of so I'm kind of like higher level. I'm, I'm just basically saying, hey, or you do this, you do this, you do this. And it's very hands off, which is really weird for me, because for so many years I was in the trenches doing it. Like you said, I was doing website design on my lunch hour and I would write courses and then I would write articles and I would write, you know, whatever needed to be written. And I'm kind of not doing that anymore. Yeah. And then the difference is so noticeable. We were doing this, getting ready for this webinar, and you're kind of hanging around waiting for me. <laughs> Usually I have to pull you out and you're you know, griping about how you're being pulled out and you've got so many storyboards to review or whatever. And yeah, it was like, okay, well, I'm kind of ready when you are. I do have stuff to do. I'm just not doing it. I think because I'm really, yeah, I'm really bagged. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired from Monday. Yeah, it takes so much out of you. I was asleep by, what, 9.30? Uh, it was a little bit after 9 o'clock when we crashed on a Monday night after going to dinner. Uh, we had an early dinner uh, with our sort of team and uh, reviewed everything and talked about how it went and all of that kind of stuff. We went and crashed around 9 o'clock. They went over to Disney World and hung around at the, the parts of Disney that are open till like 11 o'clock at night. And then we're back and... We're at the show before us on Tuesday. I know. What is wrong with these people? Where do they get this energy? It's called youth. I guess. <laughs> it's like I guess. They're not old and overworked like we are. Well, speaking of being old and overworked, we should get back to that work mm-hmm. and uh, finish it so we can wrap this up. So for the next episode, we will have new things to talk about. We will have new content. We will definitely have a website live if it kills me. And we will be getting ready for Mid-America. So there's your teaser for the next episode. And in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. 